Hi everyone, my name is Troy Hirschman, and I'm going to be your host for Off the Roll, an athlete training podcast featuring athlete trainers from Ball State University. Today we're going to talk to Ron Sindri. Ron was the assistant athlete trainer, co-head athlete trainer, and program director at Ball State University for eight years. He's one of the pioneers in the athlete training education program, and in fact, got the first major in athletic training at Central Michigan University. Ron's going to tell us some stories about that process, talk a little bit about Jim Dickerson, and has some other great stories and exchanges today. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. This is the first episode of Off the Roll, uh, an athletic training podcast uh, featuring uh, Ball State athletic training. Um, our first guest today is uh, Ron Sindri. Ron was uh, an alumnus of Ball State University um, and also a staff faculty member for eight years at Ball State and then spent the next 26 years at Central Michigan University. Um, we're excited about having Ron on the podcast for our initial podcast today, and um, hopefully this will be a good kickoff for something that hopefully will be pretty special. I'm your host, Troy Hirschman, and here we go, off the roll. Ron, um, thanks for being with us today. I appreciate you being here. <laughs> or I guess we're, we're in your house, so I, I'm, I appreciate you letting me be here, but... Uh, but it's my pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. So you and I have also been working a little bit on this a- athletic training history project that we're doing. So we'll get into that a little bit. But really, this is about you and talking about some uh, kind of your career and, and your history today. And, and I think it's really cool that we can do this. Um, and, and just trying to, to get into that. So your background, um, let's just talk about, I'll let you talk about your Kind of how, where you're from, how you got started in athlete training, why you ended up at Ball State. I'll just let you go with all that. Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to. I think this is a great idea, Troy, and uh, you're to be commended for your efforts along this line and and, and help helping uh, getting this started for uh, Ball State sports medicine and athletic training. I got started. First of all, I was born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Uh, Gary, right now, is a great place to be from because you sure as heck don't want to go back there. <laughs> but I enjoyed, I had a great, great uh, time in, in Gary with my folks and, and all the friends I had up there. Uh, I started, I graduated from Lou Wallace High School and went to Butler University. Uh, after graduation and was in pre-pharmacy for a couple years and then transferred when once I met Merck Prophet uh, who was the head athletic trainer at Butler and put in a semester and a half with him uh, Merck told me while I was there at Butler he said Ron if you really want to pursue this profession you've got to transfer to Ball State and work for Sayers Bud Miller because he has coursework there set up and uh, he's known all over the United States and it would be a good idea if that's what you want to do you transfer. I took Mert's advice the next quarter I transferred to uh, Ball State University 
Well, at that time, it was Ball State Teachers College. And uh, I went in and, and I said, I asked Mert to call Bud and tell him that I was going to come and interview with him. And Mert did that. I walked in and Bud said, sit down. And we had a discussion about what I wanted to do. And I said, this, I've always wanted to be involved in medicine and sports. And this is exactly what I wanted to be, where I wanted to be with the rest of my life. So I began studying under, under Bud, and uh, the t <laughs> the, it was a great, great experience with Bud Miller. The coursework was very tough, and when you were a student trainer, it was even tougher. The coursework was tougher, yeah. because he expected us to get A's and B's, and no C's. You couldn't come, you, if you come come to him with a C, you are probably gonna leave the program. Yeah. Because you weren't putting in the time and the effort to learn, and you weren't putting in the time and the effort to learn the techniques. So, the worst, toughest class, not the worst class, but the toughest class, there were two very tough classes from Bud, anatomy. His anatomy class, when you walked in the class, there were four chalkboards and Bud had written on two of them already before the class started, full length of both chalkboards. We sat down and we knew, he told us the first day, you're gonna write and write and write these notes and then you're gonna memorize them because if you don't, you won't make it. So he was, two chalkboards ahead of us before we started. By the time we got done with those first two, he had two more full and was erasing the first two that we had completed. So you had to keep up. We it, had to keep up, oh man. So so who was in that class at that time? Who was in that class with you? Terry Frank. Um, uh, a guy that transferred from here and I'm I can't think of his name right offhand. He transferred here and went to Kansas. And um, the rest of the class, there were no other athletic trainers who came out of that class. I don't know who they were. Some of them, well, I know it was athletes because yeah. the course was required for physical education. It was introduction to athletic injuries and the anatomy course preceded the introduction. You had to take the anatomy course before you could take the in, in athletic injuries course. So there were a lot of athletes in there. There were a lot of people who were looking at this program, but <laughs> I think I think that semester with with or quarter that quarter with Bud's anatomy class changed a lot of minds. <laughs> I think it, it, it changed a lot of minds. <laughs> Maybe maybe going into coaching was a better was a better route. They went somewhere else. They went somewhere. I don't know where they went. I don't know where they went, Troy. But they didn't hang around long. And and the good thing about it was that first class anatomy class was full. Okay. Yeah. And from then on, it was more of a very personal, personal athletic injuries class, diagnostic class modalities class with Bud. So there were just four or five of us 
And I don't know what happened to the other guys eventually, because some I met a guy at church one day. I was walking out of church, and Beth and I were walking out, and he and his wife came up, and he tapped me on his shoulder, and he said, are you Ron Sentry? And I said, yeah, I am. He said, I'm Dave, and I forget his last name. But he said, I'm Dave, and I was in my anatomy class that I taught. And he said, you scared the hell out of me. He said, <laughs> your, your anatomy class, I'd heard that this was a tough class, but he said, you're an, and it was, my class was Bud's class. Yeah. You see, I mean, I just took my notes and I did what Bud did to right. me. So, and, and that was a good experience. It allowed me, it gave me a background in how to teach. Because Bud taught me not only sports medicine and athletic training, he taught me how to teach. Yeah. And I hadn't had that experience in pre-pharmacy. I mean, well, you don't learn how to teach. So this was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me. And um, I came, uh, I graduated in the last class that got a certificate, a graduation diploma that said Ball State Teachers College. I graduated in December, really November of 64, went in the Navy immediately because I had been in the in the Naval ROTC to keep from going to, to the service until I graduated. Right. So I went in immediately into the Navy and was sent to the East Coast. I had done my boot camp prior to this and went immediately to the East Coast and was transferred immediately to the West Coast. Now, that was in 64. In 65, in, in November of 64. In May of 65, Beth and I were married. And I was in process of transferring from East Coast to San Diego. So I had two weeks free leave time. Mm -hmm. We got married in that first week. We honeymooned the second week. And when we came back, I reported to the ship and on Lake Michigan because yeah. I got transferred off the one, the guided missile cruiser on the west in San Diego to, to the patrol craft escort in Michigan City, Indiana. I got a call during that time, during my time in the Navy. So, so let me ask you this. Okay. So when you were in the Navy, did you use anything related to athletic training yes what, uh, yeah yeah okay. when we were i was stationed in great lakes i mean in lake in michigan city indiana on a pce patrol craft escort yeah that was part of what was called the sunbelt fleet we had a, a de a destroyer escort in chicago a pce in west muskegon um uh three or four ports in, in on Lake Michigan, on the east side of Lake Michigan, uh, Grand Haven. And so we would go up into Chicago and we would stay for a weekend, a couple days, maybe a week. And they had basketball teams playing from the ships. So our, our ship had a a, a team and I taped the guy's ankles and <laughs> iced down their problems afterwards yeah. and 
and uh, I got to know that was a, a, a good experience for me also because I got to know the officers better. I was enlisted and I was in charge of the ship's office yeah. as a yeoman. These guys were officers and I didn't get to know them real well. But during that time, I got to know them real well playing when they were playing and I was coaching. Yeah. So, um, and I was training and coaching. I was train acting as the trainer. So when I got out, well, I was still in the Navy. Beth and I were living in Michigan City. I got a call from Bud, Bud Miller. He said, Ron, how long, much longer do you have in the Navy? I said, Bud, I got about a year and a half. He said, can you get out any quicker? <laughs> I said, no, not without going AWOL, but then they're going to come find me. <laughs> he said, okay, get out of there as fast as you can. If you can get out early a couple of months, when are you out? I said, I'm out in December of 66. He said, okay, get out as soon as you can, because i got a graduate assistantship here waiting for you. So I went through the next year and a half and uh, put in for an early early leave, early out, and got it. So I got out in November rather than January. Yeah. I got out in November, came back down here to Muncie, interviewed again with Bud, talked to him about what he wanted me to do as a GA, came back, spent seven, six or seven months as a GA. Um, that's that I, I did a four and a half year study of all athletic injuries at Ball State and that's in the library yeah here at Ball State where we had we I just analyzed and, and recorded injuries of, of different types kinds anyway anyhow during that sp spring early summer a job opened at Marion High School in Marion Indiana and Bud said, this is a hell of an opportunity for you. He said, take it. And when something shakes here, because I think he already knew that Dick Hoover was thinking about moving. Yeah. I think he already knew that. So you were coming back at this graduate assistantship and Dick was, Dick Dick was, was there here. and Bud was Bud there. was here, Jimmy D was here, yeah. and Hoover was here. Okay. Okay. So I go to Marion for a year and had a wonderful experience at Marion. I mean, absolutely wonderful. Um, I worked football, basketball, baseball, and track. And it was a great, the teams I worked with were 111 wins, 11 losses, and one tie. 111, 11, and one. I mean, I got used to winning. You know, yeah, yeah. I got used to winning, and and that was really kind of the. It's kind of like Muncie it was the heyday. It was all the. Oh yeah. I mean TVs and cars and yeah. The whole. I mean, there's tons of people in Marion and. Oh, and 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 the big Chevy plant that was there. Yeah. General Motors plant and. Uh, it was a it was a great time to be in Marion and the coaches were wonderful guys, all except the football coach because he was. When I showed up there. The first day I walked into the training room, I took a step back because the whole training room had been painted. Now the guy before me retired, uh, Howard, anyhow. Yeah. And 
the football coach came in and painted the whole training room candy stripes, red and white stripes, to represent candy stripes, candy ass kids come into the training room. The real heroes don't come in here. So my first job, I got a hold of the custodian and he said, I said, I want you to paint this room white and we're gonna get somebody to paint a giant on that one wall over there. He said, I can't do that. I don't have the money, there's not money in the budget. I said, you don't worry about it. I said, I'll pay for the paint. You just get it done. So he got it done and I found one of the guys, I went to the art department uh -huh. and I said, let's get, I want one of your kids that's good I'm gonna give him fifty bucks. Now I wouldn't make a lot of money. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I said I'll give him fifty bucks. To them at that time, that was golden. And I said I want a great big giant painted on that wall. Okay. So they did it. And the basketball coach, the baseball coach, one and a track coach, all wonderful people. I enjoyed that year, and it was tough to leave. Yeah. Because in in the Probably April or May, Bud called me and he said, hey, Dick's gonna leave. I want you to apply for the job. So I did, I did apply. And I, I was an applicant and a guy by the name of Red Kenny, who was the head trainer at St. Joseph yeah. at that time, Yeah. okay? And Red and Bob Primer, who was our athletic director at the time, were tight, I mean, tight and he was pushing for Kenny to get this job at Ball State and Bud said it's gonna to be tough Ron and I said hey he said when you go in there you just got to impress him with what you want to do and where you are and what you've done and I went in and I just said hey I graduated from here I love this place I spent two years in the Navy I've been at Marion High School for a year and I would really love the opportunity to come back here and, and work with you people, because I was gonna teach. It was a half teaching, half athletic training. I said, I would love to teach with you people and be part of the athletic training program. I didn't know it at the time, but Kenny had, Red Kenny had interviewed just before me. And when they told him he was gonna teach, he said no. Yeah. I'm not going to teach. I don't want to teach. That just made my day when yeah. he said that. And then I walked in and said, I, I didn't know that. And I walked in and said, I want to teach with you people. Yeah. I want to learn from you as I'm teaching, about teaching. So that went very well. He, he shot himself in the foot, and I was there to take it. Yeah. So I got the job. I spent the next eight years with... Some of them, uh, that was in 68. 69, 70, 71. Bud left in 72 to go to the University of Washington as a head trainer. University of Washington, Seattle as the head trainer for football. Uh, so there was Jim, myself, and Bud. Well, when Bud had gone on leave one year, uh, to get his PhD, they hired a young man 
my senior year, they hired a young man by the name of John Padfield. Yeah. John Padfield, my senior year, was the head trainer while Bud was at Stanford. The first time yeah. he went out there to get his PhD started. When Bud came back, John left, and it was Jim, myself, and Bud. Then Bud leaves, and I think that was 71, maybe 72, 72. And then Jim and I were here as co-head trainers. I left, and then Don came in, Don Vogelsang came in in 73. Yeah, I think that's right. 73, and I left in 76. Um, to go to Central Michigan University, primarily because they made me an offer I could hardly refuse. I, I got a significant pay raise, I got an upgrade to an associate professor from an assistant professor, uh, and they said, the dean of the school said, we want you to come to Central to develop the first sports medicine major. Yeah. I had, when I came back in 68, Bud was developing a minor in athletic training. At that time, there weren't many, if any, in the country, and minors. So he tried to get it passed by the board of the academic senate. Yeah. He couldn't get, out, get it out of the department because one guy, 99 and 44 one hundredth percent of the people at Ball State love Bud Miller. There was one guy in the PE department who didn't like Bud for I don't know what reason. Yeah. I never got a gist of that. But he kept shooting down the minor. It never got out of PE department. When he left, he said I, he wanted me to go and I think he wanted JD to go. But I well, I don't know about that for sure, but I know Bud said to me, I want you to go with us to, to Washington. Yeah. Beth and I had a discussion. My folks were in, in Gary. <laughs> Her folks were in Plymouth. I came back and I said, Bud, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's a long way out there, isn't it? <laughs> it's a long way back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I turned that down. But, he said to me, Ron, you got to take this minor. And he, he shared a lot with me on the minor. I mean, we t talked and worked and you take it and get it through. He said, so-and-so, I don't want to mention the name, so-and-so will not have that in for you like he's got it in for me. Right. He left Dr. John Reno, who was the department chair. I got all that information together. We got it together. I showed Dr. Reno what we wanted to do. He said, I've seen this, I don't know how many times, Ron. I said, but you also had, what's his name, Blockinator. Yes, let's put it up and see if he blocks me. We put it in into the department, it was passed. I took it to Academic Senate, it was passed. That same afternoon, I called Bud and I said, Bud, your minor has been approved at Ball State University Academic Senate. He said, good job, Ron. <laughs> I said, no, it wasn't me, bud. It was 
we got it through the department. That's yeah. all it was. It wasn't had anything to do with me. It was your program. We got it through the department. Well, so now in 76, I got a chance, and I spent 11 years with Bud on the Professional Education Committee of the NATA. 76, these people, Bill Tennyson, the Dean Tennyson, who was a dean of the school of Hyper, said, we want you to come to Central Michigan. I had made a presentation at Ball State, I'm sorry, at Penn State University on the contents of a major curriculum. Bud and Pinky Newell had set up this conference at Penn State along with Otho and they wanted to, in, Pinky and Bud wanted to, and it was in conjunction with the program directors meeting, all the program directors where there were minors now came to this meeting. And the professional education committee was there and various people made, Bud made a presentation, uh, John Schrader at Indiana made a presentation, uh, Gary Delforge who was at Arizona made a presentation, and I, Bud had assigned me the curriculum. So I stood up and made a presentation on what it would take to make, have a major curriculum. Because at Bud's funeral, Pinky Newell. So we're jumping and, ahead to like 1980 at this point. 1980. Yeah. Bud's, I mean, at Bud's funeral, Pinky and, and Otho got me into a room and I walked in the room. Pinky said, I mean, Otho said, sit down right there, Ron. And I didn't know what this was about. All I'd been told was those two gentlemen wanted to see me. So I go up there and I sat down and Pinky looked me right straight in the eyes and he said, Ron, Bud's dead. You've got to carry the major. You've got to get the major approved. He said, will you do it? Can you do it? Boy, <laughs> I sat there for a couple minutes. I really did. I sat there for a couple minutes thinking, looking at these two gentlemen and I'm thinking, I, I took a deep breath and I said, yes because Bud and I had communicated a lot in that last year, year and a half about a major. And I said, yes, I will take it, but I'm gonna need a lot of help from you guys. You two gentlemen are gonna to have to help me with this, get me the, the necessary secretarial help, the office space, private office space, so on. No problem, Ron, if we will take care of that. And I said, I said to Pinky, what kind of a timeline do I have? He said, you do it right because the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, the ACASS, American Orthopedic Surgeons Society, they're all going to be looking at what we're doing academically. And if this isn't solid, they'll tear us apart. We'll never get it, get the recognition that we deserve. I said, I, I will do it. As long as I can do it at my pace. There's no timeline, Ron, but you gotta do it. That and, and, and again, you're doing this while 
you're working at Central Michigan as an athletic trainer. And we I'm all know how much what, time what, that takes. I mean. <laughs> when I got there, I was working football, basketball, baseball. Year round. Yeah. Football, basketball, baseball. When I finally got this thing rolling, I got out of football. I told Kopke, Ken Kopke, who was the head trainer. I was the head trainer, and I went to Central as the head trainer for all men's sports except football. And I assisted Ken with football. But after the first two years, three years, I said to him, hey, boss, I can't handle all of this. i got to have some time to get this done. Yeah. Because I'm here in the spring. I'm traveling with baseball, 40 games. Winter, I'm traveling 35, 40 games with basketball. I don't have any time from November 15th at that time when we started basketball practice until January. And, and, and I'm here in August, July with you. I got to have some time to do this. Yeah. And he knew because when I was hired, the dean Tennyson told him, hey, he's going to get the major here. So Ken, I didn't have any problem with Ken. Ken helped me tremendously yeah. get this done. And I've always recognized him for, for that. He, he, he did everything I needed and got me everything I needed. Anyhow, we got 1982, 81-82. It was approved at the university in 81, and in January of 82 it was approved by the NATA. Professional Education Committee as the first major in the United States in sports medicine, major curriculum yeah. in the United States in sports medicine. And that day, I made two phone calls. I called Otho and told him. I called Pinky. Pinky said, that's a great job, Ron. That's a great job. Otho says, I hope... I hope you haven't opened a can of worms. That's exactly what he said. I hope we haven't. I hope we haven't opened a can of worms. So, and so, I said to him, "I'm glad you said we, Otho. Yeah. <laughs> Not me, because those guys pushed it. I mean, they right. eliminated any any roadblock I had. The only problem I had with the, getting the major approved was that I remembered Bud's words when we had talked about it. And he said, whenever you go to an academic senate, and this happened at Ball State too, uh -huh. when you go to an academic senate, you have to play by their rules or there's no game. If you don't follow their rules, Ron, there's no game. And I remembered that. I remembered that. Thank God I remembered that. Because when I took the major curriculum the academic senate at, Ball, at Central Michigan. I didn't have sociology in there. I didn't have psychology in there. Right. Okay. I didn't have um, a second semester of English in there. At that time, they shot it down the first time. So Dean Tennis and I went back, and he said, "Ron," and this was a forty-eight hour major. Okay with a 15-hour internship included. Right. Okay? He said, Ron, we got to play their game. That's what Bill Tennyson said. we got to play their game, Ron. we got to do what they want. So figure out what classes we can add 
I did. Now it comes to a 60-hour major. <laughs> Majors, as you well know, Troy, are 40 hours. Undergraduate, 40 hours. Yeah. And then you got another 30, 25, 30 hours for a, a master's degree. Now we're getting a bachelor's degree in sports medicine with a 60-hour major with the 15-hour internship included. Went back, put in Psych 101, put in Soch 101, and a second English class. Passed. <laughs> no problem. 48 and three classes, four hours. Four hours, well, it wasn't four. There was another one. It had to be to get 12 hours. I had to add 12 hours. So I must have ordered, added something else. Somebody else wanted. Anyhow, they passed the major at 60 hours. And I called those two gentlemen and I told them, hey, we got it done. And they were tickle pink. And I said, well, I hope Bud's, Bud's happy too. Yeah. So that's how that, and then I stayed there. I worked, uh, when I went football, basketball, baseball, I gave up football in 79, 80. I gave up basketball in 85. And then I worked and taught in the curriculum from 85 until 2001 working straight baseball yeah and sometime because of the facilities i would cover cross country and baseball in the fall yeah. in fall baseball because i could cover it in fall i could cover the, the guys and gals cross country teams yeah. but in the spring we had a graduate assistant come over and take care of the track and field my question is, as as you as you're working through this whole major deal, because your focus is trying to get it approved through the through the academic uh, Senate. Senate there at CMU, did were you working in conjunction with with um, with the I mean I don't know what it was back then board of certification the people that were running the certification part of it because obviously that had yeah. to match up a little bit to what was what was what going I, on with what you were doing. See, as I said, I mean it was two sided because you were trying to you're trying to keep the academic people happy, yeah. and at the same time keep the NATA happy for the certification exam. My concern was the professional education committee. Yeah, not the board of certification, but. At that presentation, Paul Grace was there from the Board of Certification, and I think somehow, at some time, Pinky and Otho had talked to Grace, Paul Grace, and said, hey, we got to do this. Yeah. So I never had any real back feed, but I knew there were some people, and I'll be honest with you, there were some people on the PEC, and I have been on the PEC, Paul Zeke. Uh, Gary Delforge, uh, Todine, um, John Schrader, um, North Carolina. Bill Prentice was it? Bill. Bill Prentice. Yeah. Uh, another guy. Anyhow, those guys were on there, and there was um, from. Uh, University of Washington at that time. Anyhow, I got a feeling, and this was just me, nobody ever said this, but I got a feeling that why should we let little Central Michigan University do this? Yeah. When 
Arizona's not getting it done with Daryl Forge. Yeah. North Dakota, I mean, uh, New Mexico, Todim wasn't getting it done. Paul Zeke wasn't getting it done with uh, Lamar. Um, North Carolina wasn't getting it done. Why should we let Central Michigan do this? Yeah. But nobody would stand up, and I presented it to the PEC, Professional Education Committee. Yeah. I just laid it on the line as a member of the of that committee. I laid it on the line. I said, here it is. Now chew it up, spit it out, tell me what's wrong with it. But it's already been approved by the Academic Senate at the university. Nobody said anything. Yeah. Nobody said a word. Now, I don't know. Yeah. Bud was gone. Okay. Now Del Forge was the chairman of the PEC. Nobody said a word. And I said to them when I started, now some of this material I got from Bud. Some of it came from Bud. When I asked Shirley Miller, his wife, for material, she sent me a folder. But it was everything in there that Bud and I had talked about. Right. It wasn't anything new in there that we needed. But I said, I incorporated Bud's ideas and the university's demands. And knowing what, I had spent 11 years on that committee, so I knew what worked in the minors. Right. Okay. So to build on a minor was not too difficult. Right. We already had the minors in place. So all we had to do was take it to a major level. We had to get cadaver anatomy. Right. Okay. We had to get advanced uh, anatomy physiology. You had to get it advanced. Okay. Uh, there were other coursework that we had to add to make it so that the AMA would approve it. Yeah. And the Ace American College of Sports Medicine yeah. uh, and orthopedic surgeons would approve it. So we punched in some advanced physiology, some, uh, and the kicker was Dr. Tom Keating, who was the orthopedic surgeon, was teaching in the program. Yeah. And teaching diagnostics in the program. And I think that's. Who's going to argue with the orthopedic right. surgeon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if he is part of this program, it's got to be solid. Yeah. And that's <laughs> that was one of the things that I decided we had to do. Right. We had Bud and I had never talked about getting the orthopedics involved. Right. But when I saw that we might run into some problems uh, clinically yeah I thought hey who's gonna argue that this guy's teaching in a program and is part of this program yeah so it worked that was those were the kinds of problems that we had not insurmountable yeah not gonna ruin the whole shooting match but you, you had to learn as Bud said you got to play by their rules or there's no game yeah yeah, that's that's a and I think that's a um, that's a concept anymore that's foreign to to this younger generation that are so 
idealistic on how they're going to just push it through because they are who they are. And and uh, I remember my mom telling me I was frustrated coming home one day, and she would look at me and go, "You got to play by their rules until you're in charge to make the rules." <laughs> When you, you can when make rules. you can make the rules, but you got to get there first, and and, and uh, that was always something I always tried to keep in the back of my mind. Yep. Um, that that now I'm a little further along, and, and not that I can make the rules, but I think I can influence the rules a little bit That's with right. that. Exactly, exactly. Um, you can't you can't change them like you said until you are numero uno. Yeah. But if you're number two or three and and you want to change some of them, you've got a lot of input opportunities. Right. And that's where, as part of the, as part of the professional education committee, when Bud was running it, we could all give input. We could all give input. Yeah. And that's how it got to be what it was. Yeah. You know. So in all your years of teaching. I mean, and, 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 and you were being a clinical athlete trainer too, and we'll get into a little bit of that here in a little bit, but, but who were some or more, you're, 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 you taught a lot of classes, you taught a lot of athletic trainers. Um, who were some of more, your more memorable students? What are they, what have they done? What are, I mean, and this is kind of, you know, you may have to think about this a little bit, but maybe not either. I mean, but, but. Who who are some of those athlete trainers that that are out there that that um God there's I mean there's a ton of them in there yes, there is, <laughs> but some yes, there is. some some of some of your highlights I guess you would say you know the high I'll tell you first of all the highlight was working with Bud yeah and Dick and Jim and the opportunities that were presented to. Dick and Jim and myself because of Bud. But the students that we've had, um, Glenn Snow, Ron O'Neill. Ron O'Neill was a student trainer here at Ball State when Dickerson and Hoover were here and I was here the semester that I spent as a GA. Yeah. During that semester, Ron O'Neill missed a bus with the basketball team one time. Hoover just reamed him out. I mean, <laughs> he. We had to call, and I don't remember where they were going, but we had to call and say, "Hey." Our stu senior student missed the bus, and he was a senior at this time. Yeah. Okay. Now, Hoover is gone, at, and he's at Northwestern, and Ronnie is now in his last semester. And Hoover calls back because he lost his assistant, and he calls back and he said, "I need an assistant." And JD and I are sitting in the training room, and he's on on the phone, and we're both listening to him. And he said, "I need an assistant. Uh, is O'Neill still there?" And I said, "Yeah, he's here, but he's not here. He's gone on, on a trip somewhere." And um, he said, "What do you guys think?" I said, "Hey, he's number one. 
He's number one, Hoof. You know that. Yeah. He said, when he gets back, have him call me. So I said, okay. Jim said, yeah, we'll have him call you. So O'Neill gets back, and I called him because we missed him. We, he got back after we left. Yeah. I called him at his apartment. I said, hey, get over here right now. Come on to the house. So he came over to, our, to the house we were living in. And he gets in and I said, Hoover's got an assistant position and he wants you. He said, he took my scissors away from me. Because <laughs> Hoover had, when, when O'Neill <laughs> missed that bus, Hoover said, give me your scissors and scabbard. That was his punishment from Hoover. Give me your sisters, scissors and your scabbard. But O'Neill never forgot that. He said, yeah. I'm going to go work for him. And he took my scissors away. I said, listen to me, Ronnie. He didn't give a thing about your scissors. <laughs> he wanted to know who we recommend. Dickerson and I both said, you. Yeah. Now, you better call. Here's the number. You call Hoover, and you go up and look at this job. He said, I'm going to go to Chicago. I said, yeah, you're going to Chicago. Northwestern University. Whew. Here's this kid from outside of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Hayseed. I mean, almost a hayseed. Yeah. Okay. He's can't believe it. He goes to Hoover for four years and learned every trick that Dick had. I mean, Dick had so many things going for him at Northwestern, besides Northwestern. Yeah. Ronnie met all the big people in Chicago, in the sports, sports medicine and athletic training, all the people that Hoover knew, Otho Davis, Pinky Newell, all of them. Yeah. He met them all as, a grad, as an assistant trainer now, not as a student. Yeah. So Hoover was going to leave Northwestern. O'Neill interviews with Otho, and he goes to Otho's with the Phil. Otho was the head trainer of Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. That training room had everything that you could imagine. If there was a new product, Otho ordered it. Okay. So he goes there and he spends six or seven years. I can't remember with Otho as an assistant. Yeah. He learns so much more in Philadelphia than he learned in Chicago. Now he's in Philadelphia. Now he's meeting everybody that's possible because they all come to Otho for problems. Yeah. Otho is executive director of NATA and the head trainer of Philadelphia. Now, Head job, New England Patriots opens up and Ronnie gets it. Yeah. He is the head trainer when they win their first Super Bowl. We have other people, and he today is still working, selling for, uh, he got out of a athletic training. Actually, he I think he just retired like the year before last. Yeah. yeah. Well, he retired, but he came back. He's still working now. Oh, he's still working. Part-time. Yeah. Part-time. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I know it's a shame that 
it's gonna be two years before any of us can get together and and you know at a convention or something something that we can see each other and catch up yep. a little bit and find out what we're all been doing so yeah so he was probably one of the most successful Jay Bradley's been a, a tremendous tremendous success in high school in Indianapolis area and then at Indiana University IUPUI I think it is IUPUI Indiana University uh, Indianapolis Purdue Indianapolis anyhow he's been a tremendous success Glenn Snow has been a tremendous success in business as well as athletic training right he was he was an athletic trainer who came to us from New Albany, Indiana. And it uh, it started a long succession of people coming to Ball State from the New Albany area. Yeah. Uh, but he was successful with Active Ankle as a vice president of Active Ankle, a support brace for ankle injuries. Yeah. Now he's a, a president or vice president for DigiJump, which is another device to help increase vertical jump. Um, and just been a magnificent uh, ambassador of Ball State athletic training and sports medicine. Um, we've got Rex Sharp, who graduated from here went to uh, Northern Michigan with his uncle, Rick Ray, uh, Oxley. Randy. Randy, Randy Oxley. Yeah. Was, was uh, yeah. thank you, was um, Rex's uncle. Rex went up there and gained a great deal of experience at Northern uh, Michigan. Then came uh, where did he go next? Oh, Northwest Missouri, I think, or maybe yeah. Northwest Missouri State as a head trainer. And when Don Vogelsang retired here, Rex got the job yeah. back here at Ball State. He was here for a number of years. And then, you know, that, that was funny. That, a funny part of that deal with Rex. J.D. called him and told him about the job that Don was going to retire. Don Purvis, who was the athletic director at that time, mm -hmm. I'm at Central Michigan, and Don and I got to be good friends when he was a baseball coach yeah. at Bowling Green. And I'm sitting in my office one day, and I get this phone call, and it's Don Purvis. And he said, Ron, I said, who is this? He said, Don Purvis. I said, Coach, how are you? He said, you remember me from Bowling? I said, yes, sir. He said, I remember you ragging on my players <laughs> on the baseball team. <laughs> I said, Coach, it was all in good fun. He said, sometimes it didn't sound like good fun. <laughs> I said, it was in good fun, Coach. I did it to everybody. It wasn't just Bowling Green. Yeah. I did it to everybody so that nobody felt slighted. Anyhow, he said, I'm calling you because we have, as maybe you're aware, Don Vogelsang has, is going to retire here at Ball State. And I said, no, I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. 
He said, yes, but we've got three applicants here who uh, I think you know one of them anyhow. And I said, who's the one I know? And he said, Rex Sharp. And I said, coach, you don't have to say another word. If you're asking my opinion, I don't even know who the other two fellows are. Right. But it doesn't make any difference. Rex Sharp, if we could hire him here at Central, Mich- at Central Michigan University, we'd hire him in a minute. Yeah. But we can't pay him enough to get him here. I said, you will not go wrong with that young man. Okay, Rex gets the job at Ball State. Now he's here five, six, seven, eight years? Eleven years. Eleven years. Yeah. And the job, he gets the job at Missouri. Yeah. Head trainer, University of Missouri. He stays there 20-some years. Yeah. And retires. And now he's retired. And and there are many more. There are many. Semi-retired. Semi, yeah, he's, right. work, he's working back That's at right. Jeff City High That's School right. now, which we got to laugh about. <laughs> I got a message from him the other day when I told him I was sending him a copy of the yeah. of the uh, history. He said, "I'm supposed to be retired, but I was working a track meet." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said, "Hey, that's okay." Yeah. I think um, re- retirement that means you can do whatever you want to do, whether that's right. it's, whether that's going back to work a little bit or, or we've playing had, golf, right? <laughs> we've had guys. We've had another graduate like Bruce Scott. Bruce Scott left here uh, as an assistant graduate as a as an assistant athletic trainer with Bud. Yeah. At University of Washington, he got the head first job head trainer for the Seattle Seahawks. Stayed there numerous years. Yeah. And wanted to get back into the college. So he became the head trainer at Arkansas. Yeah. And stayed there a number of years. And then he was also a PT. Bruce was a PT. And then he retired from there and is now working part-time out of uh, living in Evansville. Okay. And working in Kentucky. Yeah. He told me the other day he drives five hours down there to his site and then drives five hours back. Oh, wow. I said, Bruce, there's got to be PT clinics between there and here. Yeah. He said, I know, but I love it down there. I said, well, why don't you get Mary Ellen and just move down there, Bruce? Oh, he said, we've got a nice place here. I said, I'm sure you Yeah. Anyhow, he's another example. Uh, Jim Russ. Yeah. Jim Russ graduated from Ball State, became an assistant, a graduate assistant at Purdue, became an assistant at Purdue under Pinky, became the head trainer at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, I think he's retired, but yeah. he retired as the director of sports medicine at the University of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm gonna forget one of my guys. I'm, Sure, I'm gonna forget it. <laughs> but those those people, hey, there are Jim Ruther, John Coddington, Steve Cezanne. These guys all left here and became high school trainers and stayed. I felt and I still feel this today, 
And I told these young men that before they graduated, all of them. Yeah. Because of my experience at Marion, I feel every day I made all the decisions. Right. I didn't have some physician looking over my shoulder or like at Michigan where you got five doctors run right. out onto the field <laughs> and the athletic trainer is watching them do the evaluation of right. the injury. Or at Indiana or at Purdue, the same thing happens. The physicians, why do they do it? Because they want to be the team physician at Purdue right. on their credentials. At Marion and in any high school, you don't have that problem. Right. You're making the call. I used to tell my students at Central this. That day when you walk out and you're the head trainer at that high school and you walk out onto that football field that first day and you look around and there's no Ron, there's no Ken, there's no John, there's no Greg, it's you. You look out there and you're going to almost ruin a pair of shorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I call that the day Shortsville. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many of my students would call back and say, Ron, I had my <laughs> Shortsville today. <laughs> I had my Shortsville today, Ron. Yeah. So those are, and I still believe today that the best job that you can have, and you want to make the calls, if you want to make the call, if you don't want to make the calls, get a college job. Right. If you want to make the calls, unless you're here at Ball State, now you get to make them here at Ball State too. Yeah. You get to make the calls. You're not overshadowed by the physician. The physician is there, and that's what we had at Central. The doctors waited until we made the call. Right. If I needed Dr. Keating, I looked in the stands, or he was on the field, I'd say, Doc, come here. Yeah. Okay, but in a high school, it, unless you don't recruit a team position, and that's number one, in a high school, you must recruit a team position. One of those kids' dads very probably is a doctor in town. Yeah. One of those athletes, whether it's a, a female or a male, it doesn't make any difference. And you designate them as the team physician. You get them a jacket that says on the back, team physician. Yeah. They love it. They love their recognition. Yeah. And I would tell them, that's what you got to do, guys, in a high school situation. In a college situation, it depends on the college. If you're going Division two, Division three, NAIA, now you may have to recruit a doctor, too. Yeah. So I'm done. I'm, I'll slow down. I'll yeah. slow down. No, no, that's okay. I, 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 I do this, Troy, and, and talk like this to my classes. Yeah. Okay. I would talk to my classes like this, and so I felt like today I maybe I rambled too much for you, but no, it's 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 fine. It's 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 how it's, much? Oh my God! Yeah, four o'clock. So um, we're gonna because we need to do this. Yeah, we we've been. It's, we've, I'm gonna try to keep this in an hour, but but today was is gonna be a little different. Um, so. We're obviously um, uh, <clears throat> coming off the the funeral of Jim Dickerson, and, yeah. and Jim not only was your coworker but a great friend, oh. um, and maybe just a little bit. We're going to have lots of people talk about Jim in these podcasts, and and but but you were you were 
probably around him the most uh, and the longest out of out of anybody that's still here around. And and if you can get through this, you know, can we talk a little bit about Jim? Sure, sure. Yeah. First of all, there was only one Jim Dickerson. God threw the mold away when he made that guy. He was a special man. He was, he was a special man. Um, I, I knew him for over 60 years. And there was one thing about Jim and my relationship. I knew that he had my back and I had his for 60 years. We worked together. Uh, we played cards together. We vacationed together. Um, we uh, we were part of each other's lives. Yeah. Um, Jim always had a had the greatest smile in the world. I mean, his smile opened up a lot of doors to JD. Yeah. People who didn't even know him, because he would walk up to you with that smile going, he became a friend. Yeah. He was successful as an athletic trainer. He was successful before that. He was successful as a husband, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. Husband, father, grandfather, and there are many, many people. And while he was here as an athletic trainer, <laughs> he kept me laughing for eight years. I mean, eight years that we were together. There, <laughs> there were always new jokes. There were always new jokes that JD had, and I think. He picked some up on the travels with the teams from yeah. the other trainers. They'd swap with him. Um, a, 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 handful, I a, a handful from Moose Denny, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd go in and they want to talk about curriculum and stuff like that. They go in with JD and they're telling jokes. <laughs> Anyhow, I uh, he... He was um, just the kind of guy that you would like to have as a friend. You yeah. would love to have as a friend. Yeah. And I was so fortunate to have him for 60 plus years. I, I can't believe it. I mean, he and I did so much together. So many things at conventions. We'd go together, uh, our wives would go Sometimes the wives had a better had a better time at conventions than the trainers did. I mean, back in those early days, they would take uh, example. They took the gals when we went to St. Louis. They took them out to Anheuser Busch. They provided them with wine, with drinks. They got to go in and see the horses. They got to see the carriage that they ride around in. They got to see all kinds of things there at Anheuser Busch. Yeah. And we were stuck in meetings. 
Listening to people talk. Okay. And they were out having a great time. Anyhow, uh, we would we went to Denver together one time uh, for a convention. We went everywhere. We went everywhere to conventions together. Yeah. So, uh, and we just had a ball. We had a great time. And we had a great time at work. Yeah, uh, JD could. Uh, I don't know if I told you this story or not, Troy. But one day I walked in. He said to me, "Look at this, Ron. Right above his navel, there was looked like a cigarette burn." Somebody put a cigarette out right there on his right on his stomach, and I said, "How in the hell, Toddy? How did?" He said, "I was at a party last night, and this chick walked up to me and just stuck her cigarette right there." I said, "You didn't hit her, did you? Did you?" He said, "No, I didn't hit her, Ron." I said, "Okay." I said, uh, "I'm going to come lay down on the table, and I'm going to put some antibiotic and a bandaid on it." And he said. Could my penis fall off because of this? And I said, he said, let me state that again. He said to me, Ron, he said my penis could fall off as a result of this. Now, this is 10 o'clock in the morning on a school day, okay? I had a class 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. I'm in the training room at 10 o'clock. Nobody's in there. Don's not in there. JD's not in there. He simply said to me, he said, I'm thinking, Don was always in there at 7 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Okay? I think that was his Marine training. He yeah. was there at 7 yeah. o'clock. 8 o'clock, something's wrong if he's not there before 8 o'clock. So I'm thinking, JD's still teaching now, supposedly. Yeah. I'm thinking Don told him this. Now Don does not joke like that. Don yeah, doesn't. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what the hell, did I miss something in anatomy? <laughs> so I said, Toddy, we'll change this before practice. We'll change it if it comes off during practice, and we'll change it after practice. And I'm going to give you some stuff to change it at night. I'll see you then. I go in the training room in the office, and I'm... I got my anatomy book out now. I'm looking through this stuff. Because I'm thinking Don told him now. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe I missed something yeah. all my life. There's something there that could cause that, to, uh, an inflammation or an yeah. infection. Nothing. I got on the phone and I called Dr. Klaus. Oh, no. And I said, Doc. They told him what happened. I said, is... Is there any way that he could die from this? He said, Ron, are you okay? <laughs> Have you been drinking? I said, Doc, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I don't drink hardly anything anymore. He said, no, no, don't. Look at your anatomy. I said, I know, Doc, I went to the anatomy book before I called you. He said, are you really okay? I said, I am fine. I'm fine, sir. Thank you. 
So now, practice comes, and the, and the guys come in, and I said, Toddy, come here. Come here right now. Who the hell told you that that cigarette burn could cause what you said? Your penis to fall. He said, JD. I said, oh, Jesus. I saw Dickerson, I said, you big turkey. You know what you caused me to do? You caused me to look at the anatomy books and call Dr. Klaus to see if there was some way his penis could fall off because of that burning above his navel. He cracked up. I mean, he cracked up. I said, well, I thought it was Don who told me that Don doesn't joke around like that. Oh, that's one example, yeah. Troy. That's one example of this guy. I mean... Now, I, I was able to stay sane with him. He was he was the yeah. stabilizer. No, no, he wasn't the stabilizer. <laughs> he was he was mixing stuff up. <laughs> he was stirring he was, it up. <laughs> he was the stir yeah. of the pot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean I, that's just one example. Yeah, I had a kid once at Indiana State that that um the, the, he's a freshman and and uh, and this this was JD was the inspiration for this, but he. He was a freshman. All the off senior, senior, junior, senior, upperclassmen, offensive line. He's on the offensive line. And it was his first trip to travel. He got made to travel squad. And we had grasshoppers out there, and they dared him to eat this grasshopper. And they told me about it because I loved. I had a group of offensive linemen at Indiana State were just awesome guys. And I, I said, really? You, you, you told him to eat it. He ate it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there, I got this guys. So I called him over and I said, "Did you heard you ate a grasshopper out here?" He was like, "Yeah, I ate it." He was proud of it. I said, "Well, they were out here spraying yesterday to to kill the grasshoppers." I said, "But they don't they don't spray anything that kills them. It just shrinks their sexual organs so they can't reproduce." <laughs> and, and that kid's like, "What?" And I go, "Yeah." And so I let him get on the bus. I didn't tell the coaches. I, I, I didn't tell the, the senior offensive lineman, but I, again, and there, there's a lot of JD in this. And that, we were going to Youngstown, Ohio, and I let that kid sweat it out all the way to Youngstown. And finally, the defensive line coach comes up to me and goes, What did you tell, you know, or the offensive line coach goes, What did you tell that kid? He's, he's throwing, he's sticking his finger down his throat trying to throw up. And I said, Well, okay, this is what I told him. But I mean, you know, if we had never had that contact with JD, I mean, that would have never crossed my mind oh. to do this. And it wasn't anything that was harmful because I once I told the kid he was fine, and it was yeah. he's a freshman, he wasn't gonna play anyway. But, but, um, but that was yeah, that's it. That's you called it. That's it. That's the. It was we were gonna have fun. Oh and, yeah. And, oh and, yeah. And yeah, we were gonna work hard, and but never to take yourself so seriously that no that that no. that um you couldn't have some. Fun. Oh, that's right. That's you right. You couldn't have some fun. Yep. Yep. And the, the, the good thing about Jim, like I said, you always knew, I always knew personally, that if there was a problem, there, somebody had my back. Yeah. Always. For 60 plus years. Always. And we used to go out, in fact, three weeks before the... the the day he died, Beth and, and Carol and Jim and I had gone to dinner uh, down near Summit Lake. Oh yeah, Iron Kettle. 
Uh, yeah, Iron Kiln. Yeah. Yeah. We'd been down there for dinner, and we had we ate together at least once a week since we moved back here. Yeah. There were two reasons that Beth and I moved back to Muncie. Two reasons. One, Jim and Carol Dickerson, and two, the university. Yeah. That's the reasons we moved back here. I mean, people thought, you know, we sold our place in Michigan and we moved to Florida. Then we sold the place in Florida and we didn't even have a home here at the time. So we came and stayed with Jim and Carol for a week looking at places to buy. Uh, it was because of them that we moved back here. When we moved back, people thought, <laughs> people thought that Beth and I should be checked for concussion. <laughs> because you're moving from Florida back to Muncie. I said, hey, I, and I had told Beth this. We've been married 56 years. And I told her, I said, look, when we retire, really are done moving around. Yeah. I want to be in a town where there's a university. Now there's another guy who started here that I didn't mention back then that just popped into my head when I said I, I wanted to retire to university. Tim Garl started here. Yeah. And he wanted to leave here after his freshman year and join two of his high school buddies who played football and been got a scholarship to Alabama. Yeah. So he came into the office and he said, Ron, I want to go to Alabama. I said, why? He said, I want to go down there. I got two buddies down there. I talked to them over Christmas break and they want they want me to come down there. Yeah. I said, well, let me call Goose Tree. Jim Goose Tree was a head trainer at Alabama. I called him, I said, Goose, listen, I got a kid who's going to be great. Who's going to be great, Goose, and he's wants to transfer to Alabama from Ball State. He said, Ron, I just gave my last scout. Now, Timmy's sitting in my office. Yeah. I, I, he said, I, and he, he's, he can hear this. I, he said, I just gave my last scholarship away. Tim says, I'll come for nothing. I said, Goose, he will come and work for you for nothing until you see how good he is. Yeah. When Tim finished at Alabama, he was in charge of the, all training students, athletic training students. Had a full ride scholarship. <laughs> Goose got him an assistant, a graduate assistant to um, Mississippi. Yeah. When Bob Knight got appointed as a head coach at Indiana, one of his assistants came from Mississippi, and Knight said, "Hey, we got to get a trainer." The guy said, "I got the one." They brought Timmy up there, and he's been there till this day. Yeah, the rest is history, isn't it? <laughs> he rest, he's there till this day. I called him when I was about ready to retire, and I said, we want to retire to a, a university town, Tim, and I'm thinking about Bloomington. I said, would I be able to buy a couple basketball tickets? He said, Ron, you're an athletic trainer. I know how much you make. Yeah. You can't afford the tickets, and furthermore, the line to get tickets after people die is so long, you'll be dead before that line, you get to the front of the line. Yeah. 
He said, but I got six of them. You can have two anytime you want. Well, I said, shit, I don't want to borrow two of his tickets for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I'm not going to go to that room in Bloomington House. But Timmy's, I talk to him often. I call him and just say, hey, how are you doing? You still doing this? I said, you're looking good on TV, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that was one I almost omitted, and I would feel bad about it. Yep. Anyhow, J.D., God love him. I miss him today. Yeah. I miss him today. Um, there won't be another guy like that in my life. And I doubt, you know, there have to be a thousand people who know him. Yeah. I, I turned From his to, travels. There yeah. have to be a thousand. There, there's so many, I called it layers. There's so many layers to JD. Oh, yeah. There, there's, there's the, you know, the athlete training layer, and then there's the, the dad and the grandpa and the great grandpa layer, and then, you know, <clears throat> people that I knew that and growing up in Boone County that that he knew, growing up, you know, um, that always knew him as as that that guy. There's just so many layers of him, and 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 I think that's the thing, and 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 to know that that um, you know, that he and Carol were in that together, and and um, and, yeah. and just as many people I knew back home. Uh, would always ask about Jim, but would always ask about Carol Sue, you know, and, and, um, I think that's what, you know, if you can live a life like that, then, um, I think you're doing pretty good. Yep. If you, I've known him for 60 years, Troy, and I don't know one person in those 60 years who ever said a negative thing about Jim Dickerson. Yeah. Now that's a, a tremendous tribute. Yeah. Not one person Whoever, in all my 50-some years in athletic training, not one person ever said a negative thing about Jim Dickerson. That's, a, that's an exception. That's the exceptional person that Jim Dickerson yeah. was and is in my memory. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to end it on there is to know that, that, uh, that we were lucky to get to know a guy like that and spend time with him wow. and, and do that. So. So we'll wrap this up, but I'm gonna have you on again sometime. We're gonna I'm gonna ask you some more questions about some of the crazy stuff you saw as a clinician, <laughs> and there's a lot of stories there, I'm sure too. Oh, so yeah. I had three javelin catchers. That'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. tell you about those sometime. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Well, thanks, Ron, for being on this initial episode. It went a little long, but it was worth every minute of it. And I can't say uh, that 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 your your history in this profession and what you've done for it has. Uh, it's been immeasurable with that and and i just appreciate you coming in and talking about it like i said we're going to have you on again and talk again about some stuff um maybe we can even find some way to have somebody else on you can swap some stories with them that'd be great too so anytime troy anytime that you're ready i'll be here thanks ron and uh and i appreciate you being on here and we'll get this thing going thank you thank you really like to thank Ron for joining us today. Um, enjoyed the time that we spent together and enjoyed the stories that he told. We hope this podcast is going to be uh, exciting and, and uh, interesting for those who have an interest in athletic training, particularly those came, that came from Ball State. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some characters on here, and um, I look forward to talking to each and every one of them. And hopefully we'll have more podcasts this summer 
and rolling through the rest of the year. So give us a follow on Spotify and uh, any feedback you can get back to me at uh, tchirschman at bsu.edu. Have a great day. Bye.